I want to take a minute to tell you about Federal Access. Federal Access is our coaching and training platform that we develop for government contractors. The resources in Federal Access have helped our clients win over $13.6 billion in government contracts. When you become a member, you're going to get access to hundreds of documents, templates, training videos, on-demand webinars, and you get SME support from me. So if you have a question, you can email me directly anytime. Here's a special offer for Game Changers listeners. Visit federal-access.com forward slash Game Changers today and get started for just $29. That's federal-access.com forward slash Game Changers to get started for just $29. Now let's get into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors, and I am excited as always to bring you another great episode here today. We have a very special guest on here. I reached out to the folks over at SAME and asked who could come and speak to us about the value of SAME, and they referred me to Mario Bargos. He is the president and CEO of Burgos Group. And Mario, why don't you jump on, take, uh, take a minute to tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what you do over there. Sure, I'd, I'd love to. So, uh, Borgos Group is a company that I founded and uh, have grown over the last 10 years with my brother. We primarily are a federal contractor. Although in 2014, we acquired an electrical, commercial electrical contracting company in New Mexico, uh, Northridge Electric, which is also part of our, of our group. And Basically, in 2010, we started the year with just the two of us, my brother working out of his home in New Jersey and myself out of my home in New Mexico, and jump ahead. And last year, we had, uh, at our high point, about 165 employees working in contracts throughout the United States. Uh, In fact, that has landed us on the Inc. 5000 list for the last five years in a row in the top 50%. So... Um, that, that's a little bit about our company. We do primarily focus on construction, both general and electrical construction, as well as facilities operation support and logistics for 13 different agencies under 80 plus prime contracts now. Yeah, that, that's awesome. You know, congratulations for being on that list for so many years and just just making the leap. You know, there's so many companies that struggle just to get out of the gate and win a few contracts. And here you are being so successful. And I, while we're primarily going to talk about the value of SAME today, I want to circle back with you towards the end of the podcast and talk a little bit about what it took to kind of make that leap from, you know, the, the few contracts to a bunch. But why don't we start off here and talk a little bit about the value you've seen from the organization? Because I, I've been around the, the conference scene in, in government for a while and I always tell your folks over there at SAME, this is one of the most well-run conference groups that I've seen where I, I know you do a lot more free members than conferences, but the two conferences that we typically go to are the, the JETC, the JETC conference and the SBC, the small business conference. And they're just some of the best well-run They've got the the best training. They've got the best people. Uh, it, the check in and registration is flawless. You know, knock on wood. And even the food, I'm like, I can't even complain about the food. It's just it's just an amazing conference all around. But the organization is so much more than a conference. And I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about 
over the years, kind of how you got engaged with with SAME and where's the value for the person looking at this thinking, I don't know if I should join. Does this make sense? How am I going to get value out of this? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. I'd, I'd love to. And, and, I, and I should say that you actually can't separate our growth from a company to from our involvement with Society of American Military Engineers, which is SAME. And, and that is because we joined uh, probably in 2011, first as an individual member. And, and, and you're right. It's, it's, it was the first national conference we went to was the Society of American Military Engineers Small Business Conference. Um, trying to remember, I think that year was in Kansas City, and it was a little overwhelming because at that point there were over 2,000 people in attendance. Uh, that number has actually gone up significantly. Last year there was over f- almost 4,500 people in attendance at the at the small business conference that was held in New Orleans. And when I say that you can't separate our company's growth from our involvement in SAME, what I mean by that is it was at that conference where we met for, for the construction work that we were doing where we actually met the surety company that when everybody else in our backyard in New Jersey and, and New Mexico was telling us, no, you don't have the right past performance or no, you haven't done, done enough work with the government yet and was giving us pretty tight parameters on bonding. We met a company there that said, absolutely, we understand the marketplace. We understand contractors that are starting out. We were an 8A company at that point, which was uh, an SBA certified program. And they understood how that worked and, and were really unique. And they understood the difference between doing work in the business to government sector versus the business to business. The other things that we ended up learning by getting involved in Society of American Military Engineers was the language of our customers. And what I mean by that is um, we didn't, not, neither my brother nor myself, had. Uh, we didn't have a, a military background. We hadn't worked for the government either in a civilian capacity or other capacity. Um, we, we never worked for companies that really had worked for the government. And so we were learning the language. We were learning what they were looking for. We were looking, learning what their needs and their wants were and, and approaches to make us successful. And I can say 10 years later that having attended lots of other conferences outside of Society of American Military Engineers, that I've never quite found a conference where I can find as many suppliers and vendors that are tied into the business to government industry sector. I've never found as many potential teaming partners, which is a huge driver for success. And that's both the large and small business uh, technical partners that we were able to partner with to, to grow our company. So much so that you know I became such a, a advocate for SAME over the years that I got involved at the local level, which is another nice thing about SAME is that there's posts throughout the nation, in fact, throughout the world. I got involved in the Albuquerque post, quickly got involved on the board here, and then moved on to become president of the post. And now I'm actually on the national board of SAME, and I I serve as the small business community of interest chair. Hmm. Yeah. it's fascinating to me to hear you talk about that and how you can't separate your growth from your involvement in this. And I, I love to hear stories like this where, you know, you have folks who are new to the market. You know, as you described yourself, you didn't have any background in government or hadn't worked for a company, hadn't been in the military, didn't know the lingo. And yet 
you know, connecting yourself to the organization has allowed you to not only learn that, but learn the ins and outs of contracting to find teaming partners and, and such. You know, one of the things that I find, and maybe you can kind of echo this a little bit, is I just I find the mindset of the folks there just to be a little different than some of the conferences and just the way you engage the people that attend. What, what do you think about that? I, I think you're dead on. Um, and, and there's a reason for that. The Society of American Military Engineers going into uh, 2020 here will be celebrating its 100th anniversary of existence. And it, it, it was formulated originally as a response post-World uh, War One to start a dialogue between military and industry in order to better prepare the United States as we move forward based on lessons that we learned, especially with requirements that, that or needs that required engineering. And that is very, very different um, because there is a there is a very joint focus on to what that the, the goal of the organization is, and the people that are involved and successful understand that that it's yes it brings business and government together it has industry government engagement, but it is for a larger purpose which is the national security of the country and and that translates through so. Whereas you go to conferences that may have, you know, let me boil it down to a business that if you're a business that, that's been in business and doing business to business or business to consumer and haven't really gotten into the business to government sector before, maybe you're a member of your local chamber of commerce. And, and realistically, people show up, they care about the community, but they also are really focused on closing a sale. Um, and, and that is not what seems to be driving the people when you meet folks at Society of American Military Engineers. Uh, you have your government, both civilian and active duty personnel, present at most of these conferences. Uh, joint engineering training conference that you rep, uh, that, that you talked to, referred to earlier, JETSI, that one is almost half of the attendees are, are usually in uniform. And when you get to the small business conference, you also have a large number of attendees in uniform, all the way from general officers down to enlisted. And, and then you also have a lot of the civilian program managers. And then you have the companies that, are, that, that work in the sector and in some cases have been working in the sector for decades. And those are the relationships that you build. And, and one of the things you, you quickly realize is it is about long-term relationships. And that's benefit of joining an organization that's been around for 100 years is you can take that time. And it's, it's not just about the conference. It's, it's about the, the ultimate mission of the organization. Yeah, you know, I, I look at the conference as that's kind of a starting point where you can, you can meet some people face-to-face. And really, it's, it's where... Like I just said, it, it's really a starting point. It, it's where relationships start, but it's not where they finish. It's not where they are going to really develop and grow. It's when, you know, you get back and you continue to nurture those. And then when you also come back next year, I've, you know, I've been to many of these and see a lot of familiar faces and, you know, not just with the, the staff, but also with the, the, the attendees and which, you know, that's another thing kind of as a side note with the staff, you know, we know 
Belle and Michelle, just different people, Nicole, all these different people. And it's one of these things where the staff is stuck around. There's such continuity in the staff on the back end of just the conference, not just the organization itself. There's such a continuity there that it can't help but stay good, you know, and and develop and grow and, you know, absorb those lessons learned properly and that sort of thing. So I, I see a lot of value in, in that piece of it alone. So what do you say to the person who is they're, they're in this industry? They are thinking about joining, but they're they're not a social type of person. They're the type of person that are like, you know, I I don't know how I'm going to get value out of this by going when I really want to go sit and be quiet or whatever it is like, you know, you don't don't talk about the the introverts who are running a a business like this, because we see this in uh, in the engineering space a lot where there are a lot of folks who are are introverts there. You know, they withdraw to themselves quite a bit. And it can be intimidating sitting in a building with 4,000 other attendees. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. It absolutely can be intimidating, even if you're an extrovert. It can be a little bit overwhelming with the, that number of people in, in a singular location. However, again, you know, one, one of the easiest ways for, for introverts to engage with others and, and people in general is to find common interests. And it helps when everybody there is is primarily focused on the AEC industry as well as environmental and facilities operations. So it, it doesn't take it doesn't take much to turn around and find somebody with a common interest. Uh, the other thing is, it's important, like you just alluded to, that that you're attending year in year out what what i would suggest is there's two things number one as as i pointed out early on our path was to start getting involved in our local post partly that was for financial resource reasons it was a little cost prohibitive to travel to all the different conferences that um, are available on a national scale but when you start at that local post that you may have 20 or 30 or 50 people in attendance at a luncheon or a networking event, and that's not quite as overwhelming. And when you go there and you realize, oh, well, I just met somebody from AECOM. Well, now when you go to the National Post and you stop by, or the National Conference, and you stop by AECOM has a, has a booth, you can turn around and walk up and say, hey, so I've met so-and-so at my local post and and that right there starts a conversation Mm -hmm. the other thing that you said which is also important is you know my favorite question that uh always makes me smile is somebody you're walking the the exhibit floor and or you're attending one of the one of the great training sessions and somebody on the way out starts a conversation with you and they say how's the conference going for you and my standard response is ask me in three to five years and the reason is because a conference is a starting point for for starting a conversation. And three to five years from now, I can always look backwards now at every success we've had and connect it back to a conversation I may have had two, three, four years ago or longer. Mm. And in many cases, you it's not just seeing the same faces. It's that you truly develop friendships. Yeah. Friendships meaning that there's not anything that somebody is going to do for you right now. And it's not about closing the sale. It's about building a relationship. People want to do business with people that they, they like and that they trust. Yeah. And what I found is SME, the, the folks who attend 
really seem to get that. Hmm. You know, one of the things I like about what you're saying is you're, you're not sprinkling any magic beans or magic dust or anything like that on this conversation. This is, this is real business fundamentals about building long-term deep relationships and being committed to the long term in the conferences, you know, not just signing up for one conference and then going, well, you know, let's see what happens. Like you said, it's not about the sale at the conference. And in government, uh, you really you're naive if you think you're going to show up to one of these conferences and walk away with some signed contracts. I, I, I see people who do that. They're carrying around the briefcase and I'm like, oh, look, there's somebody who's new who thinks there's a contract in their thing in their briefcase. They're going to get signed while they're they're here. And that's not going to happen. You know, this is about establishing some conversations, establishing some relationships and kind of just getting them kind of lighting a, a fire under them just to start, you know, and, and kind of getting it going. And, you know, there's so many times people want the magic beans. Like, what's the magic beans? And they have somebody on, on here like yourself who has, you know, well over 100 employees. You're t- you're succeeding. You're making this work in the market without magic beans. And that's what I like to hear. I like to hear how the fundamentals of business are making it work for you. And you've chosen one major area here that to, to invest your time and energy and talent, you know, being on the boards. That's not something that, you know, it's taking away from your business in some respect to go in and, and give your time to do that. But that's sort of, I guess, would you consider that one of your main marketing strategies, if you will, for your business by being involved here? Absolutely. And, and, and part of the reason for that is, listen, I, I've, since we've both gone to lots of different conferences, both Society of American Military Engineers and others, uh, I've yet to introduce somebody or meet somebody who's introduced themselves by saying, hey, here's my business and we're lousy at what we do. Yeah. Uh, everybody tells you how great they are, or what they do, and, and their differentiator on how responsive they are or how trustworthy or how honest. And ultimately, that's one of the, one of the benefits, one of the magic beans, I'll say it's a magic bean, is not just talking about what you do, but showing what you do and, and demonstrating it's one of the reasons that I volunteer not just for the organization because I believe in it and it's a good way for me to give back. I didn't serve in the military and I feel like this is one way that I'm able to to support military efforts uh, in a big way. But it's also showcases that I walk, you know, I, I walk my talk. I, yeah. I do what I say I'm going to do. And, and I see that with the other people that volunteer. If you take, for example, the small business conference that we talked about, that this year coming up in Dallas, we'll, we'll probably again have over 4,000 people because it keeps growing each year. That doesn't just happen. You have great staff at the national office, but then you have, like we have a small business conference subcommittee under the small business community of interest. And then they have committee members and there's people that volunteer year after year. And there's people that volunteer uh, just to, to to augment the staff because the staff's not huge for that size conference. And and so you have people checking in, you have people uh, obviously speaking at different, that volunteer their time to share not just best practices, but technical subject matter expertise. And those are, 
the type of volunteering that definitely gives reward. So I don't see it as taking away time from my company. I see it as, as absolutely critical to my company's future success. Yeah, you know, and when you're volunteering, you meet all kind of people and you meet other people who know more people. You know, it's just it's one of those things. The volunteers wind up knowing everybody that you would ever need to know. So if it's a it's a teaming partner or if it's a, a prime contractor or if it's a government person, you know, there's government speaking at some of these, there's government attending these, you know, they're gonna know all of these people. So what a great way to get engaged. You know, would would you recommend or you know, let me back up and have, ask a different question. If if I'm new to the organization, it, are there volunteer opportunities for me day one out of the gate or do I need to be around for a while for that? No, I'd absolutely say there's there's volunteer opportunities day one out of the gate, uh, both on a local, regional and national level. Well, I guess that's three, not both <laughs> on a local level. Uh, like any professional association that is volunteer driven, there's always more needs than there are volunteers. So if you want to separate yourself from the pack, one of the easiest ways to do that is to raise your hand and volunteer. I think I attended four or five monthly luncheons uh, with the Albuquerque Post before the post president at the time said, hey, we're going to have a board of direction meeting if anybody wants to show up. And I, of course, showed up. And and that board of direction meeting was held at the Army Corps of Engineers office and, and had the deputy commander of the of the Corps district involved and engaged, as well as other potential teaming partners. Um, and that was on the on the local level. I've had people on the national level that I meet them at a conference and I say I'm I'm chair of the small business community of interest. And, oh wow, I'd really like to get more involved in SAME. No problem, we can use you. Just tell me which of these different areas education, outreach, uh, communication, you let me know what you're interested in and we'll get you set up with one of the vice chairs. It's it's an easy organization to get involved in. Yeah, and you know, you I think you hit it right on the head too there. You know, there's always way more work than there are volunteers and so anytime you can get a few extra hands to make the work a little bit lighter, it's always a good thing and you know, I have never shown up to an organization that wasn't in uh, what I would call the, the the build mode, growth mode, where they were saying things just like that, where, hey, we're having a meeting, anybody interested, please feel free. Or, you know, if they didn't happen to announce it at that meeting, they announced it at the next meeting I went to. You know, it, it's not like they go months or years without saying, hey, we would like volunteers. And, you know, I would say if somebody goes to a meeting and they don't say anything, just walk up to the people leading the meetings and ask, hey, what are some opportunities for me to get more engaged? You know, that's a, that's a great way to do it. You know, especially if you don't want to, you know, raise your hand and ask in in front of everyone, there's a, there's some simple ways to do that. You know, if, if I had to boil it down for the value of SAME, could you boil it down? I, I know there's a lot more than three. Could you boil it down to three things that are just, that's, that's where the value really is for, for a company coming in. Well, number one, and, and this goes to one of the unique propositions of Society of American Military Engineers, is the military uh, and the engineer aspect of, of that. And, and what I mean by that is there is a there's there's a different philosophy that the, the folks that are serving 
in the in the various branches of service um, are actively engaged and understand looking out for somebody that they're working with side by side. And that that really translate translates through SAME. I, I'd say it is more driven from that side than it is from the business side. The business comes out of it. So the, the top three things is is that engagement between industry and government um, and the trust that's built. The second is the ability to be at the forefront of understanding what future needs are, especially as the country tackles infrastructure challenges um, and and other, just basically other military challenges, both at home and overseas. And then the third is the number of people that I see that don't look at it as, hey, this is something I'm going to do maybe this year. It's, it's it's people that that have made a commitment. You see them year after year after year. Even if they change companies, I, I, it's never ceased to amaze me how many folks that maybe not, might not be in an ownership uh, role, but the moment they go to a new company, they say, "Hey, we need to join Society of American Military Engineers," and so they're they're back in, and um, you know, and you get their new business card. Especially after, for me, I've been traveling there, going to these conferences for ten years. I, I'd strongly suggest that. And, and even though you asked for three, I'm going to give you a fourth. And that is no matter where your business is in the cycle, and I mentioned this earlier, there is an ability to scale up. And now in our businesses, it's important that we're able to scale. That's where software as a service ties in. As a society, SAME provides the same ability to scale. And what I mean by that is, if, you, if you're starting out your company and you don't have a whole lot of resources, you can get involved in your post uh, at the post level without significant travel expenditures, usually just for the price of a lunch and show up. Um, and then as, you know, for us, for example, you, yeah, our first conference was the small business conference. Then as soon as I had, a, we had a little more money to invest, we went to joint engineering training conference. When we had a little more money to invest, we went to the national DOD briefings, which are held every year um, in in the D.C. area. And now, continuing with that, now I actually attend industry days for SAME from other posts all over the country. Hmm. Nice. Very Nice. Uh, great, great. I'm glad you included the fourth one. That was a really good one. I, I like the scalability discussion, and I do. I want to come back to that for just just a minute here. But um, before I do that, tell me one quick thing here. You know, two major conferences around the country: the the JETC Jetsy and the SBC, the Small Business Conference. If you're a small business or medium, well, actually any size business, do you go to both or do you pick one? And if so, how do you pick? I think you go to both, and I think you have your company represented in both. Uh, the Joint en- Engineer Training Conference, JETSI, is is very much a technical conference. And so if you have engineers, you have others on the technical side, I'd really gear towards that. And it doesn't matter whether you're a small business or a large business or a medium-sized business. Uh, the Small Business Conference is – probably more on the business development side. Uh, again, there's a lot of education, but a lot of that education has to do with business leadership education, business marketing education versus strictly engineering uh, focused. So I would, maybe it's two different people or, or 
two different groups of folks from your organization, mm-hmm. depending upon your size, that attend. Personally, I, as I said before, I attend them all. And I find I, I get a lot of good feedback and, and a lot of insight into where the industry is going and how to grow my business. Yeah, we, uh, we've we gone to both and loved them both. So I, I highly recommend both. And I think there's you get different things out of each one, but you also see an overlap of a lot of the same people. And it's just it's another opportunity to touch them one more time during your cycle and to have just a few more conversations while also meeting a few new faces each time. So I think that's going to happen as well. So I highly recommend both. And, you know, this podcast is coming out in 2019 before the small business conference. And for listeners of the podcast, we actually have a code attached to the description of the podcast so you can get $50 off your registration. So go ahead and check out that code. If you want to attend the conference, uh, when you register, make sure you use the code to go ahead and get the discount on that. So before we hop off here, I want to go back to the scalability thing we've mentioned a couple of times. And I'm, I'm curious just to get your input on this. Uh, we, we've been talking to a lot of people in the 50 to 60, maybe $70 million range who are trying to make the leap to the next level. And one of the things I always tell them is scalability is scalability. You know, you're, you're, when you're small, you're trying to figure out how to scale from one person to two people, from two people to 10, from 10 to 20 or 30 to 50 to hundred, all that kind of thing. I'm, I'm curious again to put, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What are two or three, and if you throw a fourth, that's fine too. What are some of the lessons you've learned about making your business more scalable? So the the biggest lesson is to always know where it is you'd like to go. And if you're talking about the people that you need, you're hiring today for where you want to be five years from now. And what I mean by that is, and that's a particularly important scalability, is if I'm a $5 million company and I'm going to hire a controller who's only ever been a controller for a company that's 5 million or below, but my goal is to go to 10 to 20 million in the next five years, I'm making a mistake if I'm not investing today for where I want to be five years from now. Hmm. Uh, That's the same deal with, with everything. So if you're going to need, you know, nothing eats cash faster than growth. Hmm. So you better line up the cash that you need or at least start having the conversations today for the cash you think you might need two to five years from now. Um, and, and ideally, you have the cash today way beyond what you what you need today. And, and by that, it can be a line of credit. I'm not saying that you can't start your, your business or grow your business if you have no cash, but you do need access to capital. And so that's capital and people are the two most critical things to to be able to scale your business. The third is process and procedures. So a lot of times if you're a smaller company, say, oh, well, we've got the, you know, I I, I sign all the checks, so I'm good. Their checks and balances are there. If you want to scale, that doesn't work. You're going to have to put the process and procedures, which sometimes feels like overkill Mm -hmm. for today because there's not that many people but if you don't put them in today, they're really hard to implement when you're at that 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 next level of scale, and and I see that over and over again. I, I I've had meetings, 
uh, actually, I had an informal discussion with somebody that we're now teaming with, smaller 8A company. And they said, well, yeah, we really want to grow our business, but we don't want to, you know, we're really careful about how much of a credit line we have. And they had less than $100,000 and they were in construction. They're, they had some pretty big, hairy, audacious goals. And I said, you better go get more money. And said, well, we don't want to, we don't want to owe more money. I said, well, you don't need to borrow it if you don't if you can cash flow it. But mm-hmm. it's really hard to borrow the cash when you actually need it. So you need to get that. And they just told me I just ran into them actually at another SME conference uh, at Jetsy, and they said, "Yep, we increased our credit line just like you had advocated," which was great because they were moving into an end of year and getting lots of new contracts and they needed to make sure they had adequate capitalization. So it's things like that. You take the mid-sized company, it's the same deal. Um, In a mid-sized company, you're going from 20 to 50 million to 100 to 250 million. You're going to have to line up the partners and the resources and your accounting system may have to change. Um, who's doing what is going to change. The amount of meetings in your company are going to change, and you need to start having those now because it's too late once the, the fire is already burning. Right. No, no, fantastic advice, you know, and I, I like how you talked about, you know, nothing eating up cash faster than growth. You know, what what a true statement. If you're going to grow, you're going to need those things. And as you said, with capital, just having the access to it, because banks never want to lend you money when you need it, only when you don't, right? That's the that's the only time. So, and in cash, cash can be king, uh, just depending on what's going on. But being able to cash flow a project, like you said, you know, a, a deal or whatever it may be, that's that's a huge factor. I, I like what you said too about the people and hiring the right ones now versus trying to you know, limp along through that and then hire the controller who's going to take it to the next level. We're always talking about that of, of where do you want to go? Where are you now? Realistically, where are you really at now? Where do you want to go? And what does the organization need to look like to get there? You know, there's, there's key pieces. And I've always found that the right team will accelerate your growth. If you don't have the right team or no team at all, you're just going to limp along and having the right players, you know, or the right team members on the bus, if you want to use that phrase, having those folks on the bus not only makes the work easier, but, you know, when you have really good people on the bus, they're bringing in their network and their connections and they're investing personally in the business and they're helping take it to levels you didn't even think about. You know, you didn't even think were possible. And, you know, some people think about, well, getting to 250 million is my goal. My thing is getting to 250 million is not the problem. Keeping it at 250 million and growing beyond is your challenge. We can do 250 once. Can you repeat it? You know, can can you go from 50 to 250 and, and make it a repeatable thing? You talked about processes. That's the other thing I see a lot of times where, these owners have so much of this, or even executives. You know, if you look at a small executive team of, say, five to ten people, they have so much of it in their head and not on paper that literally, if you go through the, the old saying of if one of them gets hit by a bus, like the business is shot, like the business is going to take a serious hit because nobody can step in and replicate what Bob or Sue were doing. You know, because they, they don't know it's so far off. And, you know, yeah, Bob and Sue should be very valuable, but they should also, you know, be able to go on vacation. 
you know, <laughs> and do things like that, you know, without the business falling apart. And I see that too often where the business just falls apart if they're gone for a week. And, uh, and that's, that is not scalable. So really good discussions on all of this, on, on the value of SAME, on scalability, everything that's going on. Uh, I hope to have you on someday to talk more about your business and the next steps of what, of what you're doing. But, uh, but thank you for coming on today and talking about this. It's been really great. And, uh, again, if you are listening to this, you want to attend the SBC conference, there is a code to get $50 off your registration. Just go ahead and look in the description of this podcast, grab that code before you register, and uh, that'll apply to your checkout. But uh, one last time, thanks, Mario. Thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Before we take off today, I want to ask everyone a simple question. Are you feeling stuck in your government business? Do you feel like you should be winning a lot more contracts, but just can't figure out how to bust through to the next level? Do you want to accelerate your results and hit your goals faster? Does that describe you at all? If so, I have a very special offer for all of our listeners today. Visit us at rsmfederal.com slash breakthrough coaching, where you can schedule your very own business breakthrough session with me. You're going to walk away from the session with three things, a copy of the award-winning government sales manual, at least three strategies to supercharge your business, and some specific answers to your biggest challenges that are out there. Now, normally these sessions run about $495, but for a limited time for our podcast listeners only, you can schedule this session at no cost to you. So that's zero cost to schedule a session with me. Simply visit rsmfederal.com forward slash breakthrough coaching. And you'll be able to fill out an application. So scroll all the way to the bottom of that page, fill out an application that'll come directly to me. Then I'll reach out to you. We'll get our, our session scheduled and we'll walk through some of the challenges that you're having, whether it's you know how to grow the business, your goal setting, um, specific challenges you're having in government. This doesn't have to be just about specific to growing any business, but you're going to walk away from the session, not only understanding how to approach the government from a better perspective, but you're going to walk away with a lot of confidence on what you need to do, what next steps you need to take to supercharge your government business so you can take the next several months, the next several years to a whole new level. So again, visit us at rsmfederal.com forward slash breakthrough coaching. You can uh, get an overview of what Breakthrough Coaching is all about. Scroll all the way to the bottom, fill out the application that'll come to me, and then I'll schedule your session for you. And last but not least, let me take a moment here. I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today. We really appreciate your support. Remember, you can find every episode on iTunes. Just look for Game Changers for Government Contractors and subscribe to the feed to make sure you get every episode. And be sure to tune in next time for lessons from our experts on how you can win more government contracts. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.